When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi and welcome to episode number 59 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and with me, Jeff Hayward is standing by to talk all things cherries. How's your weekend been? Has it been all right? Mine's been okay. It's a Monday morning. I don't know what you're doing right now. Maybe you're driving to work, you're on the train or maybe you're just in bed lying back thinking of England. TMI. But what a game it was on Friday night. Hey, Amazing to get that first win at St Mary's, our South Coast, apparently not rivals, but hey, it was a derby and it was a decent derby win, eh? 3-1, up to third in the Premier League, overnight at least anyway. And just a feeling that everything is good with the world. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to chatting this over with Jeff and also we're going to be previewing Burton in the week and then West Ham United next Saturday as we chat to a Hammers fan to talk about their season so far. And I think they'll be happy after yesterday's 2-0 win over United, hey. But let's get cracking and it's time for this. Do you remember? Do you remember? Yep, that's right. It's time for another Do You Remember? And this week's one comes courtesy of Keith Brewer. Uh, I was in Yates's having a few pre-match drinks on Friday, as you do. A few Jaegers as well. Cheers, Lucy. Oh, that didn't end up well. Um, but well, I sat down with him for about 45, 50 minutes. And if you're on Twitter, 
You probably follow Keith. He's an avid Cherries fan, been following Bournemouth since the 60s, really. And just listening to some of his tales, I was I was absorbed by some of the stories that he was telling me. But we were also referring to the South Coast Derby and, you know, whether it's the South Coast Derby or a South Coast Derby. But he led me to a particular do you remember question for today, which I think was very apt, given that those two are fighting out on Tuesday and we've just beaten them. Uh, on the Friday night and the question is this can you name four players the four we think there's just four four players that have played for Portsmouth Bournemouth and Southampton all three clubs there might be a couple of loan spells in there but at the end of the day they've played for all three clubs looks like there's four players can you name any of them if you can kudos to you but there are actually four and if you can name them i will give you a gold star personally i'll deliver it okay i won't but be interesting to see if you can get it anyway the fake south coast derby that was on friday night bournemouth 3-1 victors as you very well know i had my phone on me i was doing the audio match report however i recorded what i could and then spoke to a number of people after the game and plus we've had a few contributions as well for this week's fan thoughts enjoy quick warning though the audio gets very loud at the end hashtag just saying Don't listen to us about all that switch up. 
However, let's see what VAR do with it. They'll be checking, I'm absolutely sure. If only we had Travers in goal, we'd feel very, very confident they're giving it, they're giving it. And you know what? That stemmed from us giving the ball away in, a, in, a, in, a, in an attacking position. So, okay, so you're waiting for the um, first part of the second chapter. This could be it right now. Aaron Ramsdale. Did not go the right way. Slate to pull one back. Obviously, they are ecstatic. Goal scorer for Saints, number 16, James Ward. It's actually here. Uh, I've finally got back from the game, despite the best efforts of Southwest Rail. Where, where to start with that? Uh, a tale of two halves. We were devastating at times in the first half, I thought, and our second goal was outstanding. Uh, that said, we still managed to shoot ourselves in the foot on various occasions, but I guess that will continue to be the case the way we play. I thought Steve Cook had an absolutely epic first half, uh, ably supported by Ake. Stacey, on the other hand, struggled throughout the half and I don't think he got much better in the second. For me, he dives in and goes to ground uh, far too easily uh, and we were lucky to get away with this on a number of occasions. I do think he, he looks quite weak defensively um, at the moment. That said, he does look dangerous going forward and obviously it's early days for him and you can see his, his potential. Uh, cue our usual second half shambles um, they were always going to come at us uh, at 2-0 down but I thought we got rattled very quickly and never really uh, recovered through the half uh, we owe the win I think to some heroic defending from Cook I'll forgive him the penalty uh, and Ake but a special mention as well to Ramsdale who was absolutely a brilliant particularly I thought um, a save towards the end of the game where from my angle he looked like he was he, he was unsighted but, but really really impressed with him I think a toss-up between him and Billing for man of the match. Um, although he ran and ran and looks better out wide, King, King uh, did my nut in as usual. Uh, I don't know if I'm watching a different game, but certainly on Twitter, also actually on the match of the day, uh, match of the day Twitter, they they were raving about him. Um, I don't know. He just frustrates me. For me, he was too selfish uh, on many occasions. He ran up too many blind alleys in the second half, and actually, if he showed a bit more vision. Um, and a bit more composure, we could, probably could have put the bed, to, uh, the game to bed quite early. All in all, though, absolutely brilliant evening, uh, made even more enjoyable by standing right next to the home supporters. Finally, a word on VAR. I absolutely hate it. Uh, you can only half celebrate a goal because uh, you know some faceless killjoy sat in a room somewhere was going to try and find a way to disallow it. Um, what I don't understand is they agonise over millimetres for offsides. 
but won't award a clear penalty because their mate who's refing supposedly hasn't made a clear and obvious error. It's an absolute joke. Sort it out or get rid of it. Thanks very much. Oh, yeah, it's Max again. What a win. Um, uh, very happy. Um, the thing that got me tonight was going to new up away from home against uh, Saints and Harry Wilson. King was offside, unlucky, but we conceded a goal, which was, cut, was a bit stupid, but... Uh, two one up, then Callum Wilson um, just makes it three one in the last minute. So credit to the lads, and we go again against uh, West Ham at home up the Cherries. Um, so yeah, it's been good from Bournemouth, and can't wait buzzing for West Ham. Playing really well so far. Love Harry Wilson to stay at the club, but I'm sure you want to go back like Nathaniel Klein like last season up the Cherries. Let's go, lads. Soon a bit, unlucky Saints. Optimistic, you know, I reckon the best thing we could probably do, you know, maybe 1-0, 2-0, well, 2-1 or something like that. What I would say, though, what do you reckon? I, I reckon Rico we, played yeah, yeah. out of his skin first half. Well, yeah. first half, he was a bit dodgy second half, though, wasn't he? A little bit. Yeah, he let yeah. it go yeah. second yeah, yeah. half. First half, he played out of his skin. Yeah. And I tell you what, Rambo, you're my number one. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, don't, the, I don't know about their penalty though. What do you yeah. make of the penalty though? It I seemed think it was brilliant. Yeah, well, from what I saw, obviously we were a long way away, but it didn't. It didn't look like, it like didn't a penalty look, for yeah, me. But when they did score it, were you thinking the inevitable yeah, might yeah. happen? Uh, they might I, come back. Yeah, and... we, we all thought we, we stood up and we we're thinking, yeah, yeah, they're going to equalise in like ninety second minute or something like that. It was going to be like a two all draw or something yeah. like that. I tell you one thing, Radio Solon, Eddie Al said he wanted it spicy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's certainly spicy. <laughs> They lose their derby as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic, fantastic way to start our weekend. It's lovely to do it on a Friday night. I thought actually at the start, I thought the atmosphere from Saints, give credit to them, I thought was top notch. So that was a really good atmosphere. So obviously they were trying everything to give Saints that good confidence. So it was great. But yeah, you can't get a better setup for the. For the, for the weekend really and go back came and watch it again on Sky and everything else hopefully it recorded and it just be <laughs> joy to watch that repeatedly over the weekend So there we go, some fans' thoughts there, some ecstatic cherries, some of which submitted their audio after the game and some of them, as you can tell, with the noises in the background, uh, were from the night itself from our YouTube channel. And with me once again, Jeff, how are you feeling, mate? Amazing. Superb. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great emotion, isn't it? And you know what? For me, it's a combination of factors. Uh, It was a it was a Friday night game under the floodlights. We went up to third in the Premier League. It's the continuation of some good momentum, and then a small part of it is beating them lot down the road. (laughs) A very small part of it. We 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 were just saying we've grown up with it, uh, Sam, haven't we? That uh, you know everybody in Bournemouth not really wanting to support Bournemouth, but going to support Southampton because they were the bigger club. Well, I think we've drawn a line under that. You know, anyone who's thinking of supporting Southampton, why would you want to? Frankly. Yeah, and for me, uh, Friday night was perhaps just the culmination of what I sense and what Bournemouth fans sense is actually a momentum shift. Maybe not off the pitch. We know that they're the bigger club in terms of uh, their stadium, all their facilities. Bricks and mortar, they're the bigger club and maybe fan base too, of course. However, on the pitch, thankfully, that's where football's played and not in the stands. 
it is definitely changing. The landscape is changing and we've all been thinking it, but our results have not necessarily provided it, apart from that 2-0 win we had over them at the Vitality. But to get that monkey off our back and get the win at St Mary's, it's just um, it's relief and jubilation all in one, isn't it? What I felt was that there was no sense of inferiority going into that game. The players on the pitch were up for it. And in previous years when we've gone there, even though we've had a pretty decent squad, um, just that self-belief hasn't been there. But it was certainly there on Friday night. We were up for it big time in that first half. Yeah, and d- didn't you predict a win as well? I, I'm I pretty sure you did. I did. Do you know, I was gutted. When Josh scored, I thought, yes, you know, I'm on for that 4-0 victory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, to, I mean, but to be good. honest, though, to be honest, though, in terms of the chances, um, you know, in the first half, it could have been four because obviously, yes, he was slightly offside at the time when I saw it. I didn't, you know, I didn't necessarily think it was. And then when they pulled it back, I thought, oh, here we go. But um, anyway, we, we are skipping on a little bit. But let's let's start with seven o'clock then. Teams are announced and no Lewis Cook. He opts to have Lerma and Billing in the middle. Uh, and then Harry Wilson over Ryan Fraser. I think everything else pretty much picked itself. But in terms of the lineup, were you uh, surprised or quite contented when you saw that? I felt okay. I felt that it would be interesting to see how Lerma and Billing would go again um, in a four this time rather than playing a back five. I thought that would probably Mm. help. Um, Slightly surprised to see Fraser on the bench again, but he obviously feels that Josh is doing a good job down that left-hand side um, and perhaps gives us a bit more physical threat, um, which certainly was the way it played out when uh, when the match started. Yeah, I uh, I've been really impressed. He's been my player of the last sort of few games. Josh King, maybe not the Leicester one, but at Everton, I thought he was incredibly strong, fast, robust. He provides such a, a such an attacking edge, and he's got that strength to shrug off his markers. And he obviously won that free kick we had against Everton. And then again, he was instrumental today. I think in terms of Harry Wilson, I, I was quite surprised, but um, looking at his stats, his ball retention is actually pretty good. And obviously to have that calm goal scoring finish, which we'll obviously come on to, uh, you know, who who am I to judge? Maybe, you know, maybe I know nothing and Brian Fra- Fraser can provide that burst um, for, from when he comes on. But it was a it was a pretty solid start by us, wasn't it? What, nine minutes, was it? And you're right to pick out Wilson. I noticed that he's getting a little bit of combination play going with Stacey, which mm. was the key thing in the build-up to that first goal. He played a nice little uh, one-two with Stacey. Stacey's cross goes out for the corner, and it was from that corner that the other superstar of the first half, Diego Rico, yeah. delivered an absolute peach that said, head me into the goal, because <laughs> I am here. It was a gem of a cross. It was, isn't it? Now nice. I said this on a on a, on a YouTube video I did uh, earlier uh, on Sunday or Saturday. I can't remember which. The uh, the weekend's been such a blur because I've just been absorbing every piece of cherry information there is. But um, it's great that we can now mix up these corners because we're famed for these short corners, which uh, a lot of Bournemouth fans aren't particularly keen on. It. I can see why he does it because he he tries to draw defenders out and then can effectively beat that kind of corner press and get the ball in the middle with maybe two or three less players in the mix but when we have got set piece deliveries now that we put in first time with Rico's left foot which is a total weapon then we know we can do some damage and it was the pace of it and then the strength from Nathan Ake I mean what were your feelings when 
that you saw that ball hit the back of the net? Um, elation. <laughs> I I think what's also important is the actual physical threat provided by players who don't actually challenge for the ball but made Ake's job easier you know having Billing and Solanke in that box as well big guys you know we've got a lot of physical threat from uh, that sort of corner now yeah, that's right. And uh, a stat is that Bournemouth have scored more goals from set pieces than any other team in the Premier League this season, excluding penalties. And that's a total of five that we've got. So it just shows uh, that we are now more than capable. And that's really good to add to our armoury because we're obviously known for the counter-attacking football that we have, players marauding forward. Um, but it's good to have that in our locker too. Um Southampton, what did you think of them in the first half? Because, I've, you know, from what I saw, whilst they had um, a little bit of possession, not overly much, a few wayward shots, they, they didn't look that impressive at all. So I want to make two points about Southampton. Number one, yeah. they are supposed to have a tactical genius in charge, Hassan Hotel. <laughs> what on earth was he doing? If he's the Austrian Klopp, then <laughs> I'm the... Argentinian Mourinho because <laughs> honestly that was rubbish playing Danso at left back mm. playing Cedric uh, when you've got you know he was all over the place he, and he had Bertrand on the bench who is a left back you play mm. you're playing you're playing players in the wrong position it's crazy crazy yeah uh, yeah I just thought that um, they were tactically um, yeah well you know thankfully we got it right with our formation and we went on to score what obviously we thought was a tremendous goal but then it went to VAR but wasn't that a great move though with you know Solanke bombing forward and then he's got these options both left and right and it's it was it was not dissimilar to our goal there last year actually where Josh King went forward ran through the middle of the pitch it's they were so weak in the middle and then he had options left he had options right just like last time uh, I think it was um, Josh King who found Wilson who squared it to Gosling and then even when Gosling had it he had options uh, to his right with Brooks there and he played in King whether it was a bit too late or King ran a little bit too early not sure but it was a it was a fantastic finish and then we hear that dreaded call so you watch on the tv jeff how how did it play out um you know was it clear straight away that var was going to get called or was there a little bit of hang on a sec what's going on here absolutely hang on a sec what's going on here the commentators were were given the goal but uh, as soon as it went to var you could see his foot was clearly offside so you know it's there, there are people this weekend who have been given offside millimetres in it. In fact, mm. uh, there was one this afternoon at uh, Chelsea as well. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, quite honestly, he, he was offside. It was regrettable. Just the timing of the run or the timing of the pass, one, one of them was out. But, uh, but what we carried all through that first half was goal threat. What Southampton yeah. carried in the other direction was absolutely nothing zippity doodah and, <laughs> zippity and and quite honestly I think that's the big difference as well we had players on the pitch who looked like we could score we looked like we could score whenever we went forward they had occasionally Redmond looked like he he might do something but uh, I'm sorry their centre forward bought from Birmingham City mm, mm, I'm, I do wonder I'm glad we got the forwards we've got frankly yeah 
No, that's right. And I I did ask on a on a few YouTube free, uh, previews and stuff, you know, which players would walk into the Saints side and and vice versa. There were obviously more Bournemouth players that could walk into the Saints side uh, than the other way around. But with that disallowed goal, I mean, there were a number of hurdles along the way. Obviously, Saints scored their penalty and then we'll go on to our penalty claim in the second half. But then that disallowed goal, we had a number of sort of hurdles that could have been psychologically damaging for us, but they didn't seem to be. So I don't know kind of what um, work they've done sort of mentally because I know they've got all sorts of sports psychologists in the Premier League and you know Bournemouth have got that kind of facility too but they didn't switch off and then they scored an absolutely beautiful goal with Harry Wilson turning it in but how many passes was it about nine or ten that preceded it I'm, I'm, I'm not sure wait you said nine on your uh, video but mm. I watched the game back counted them up and actually it's 13 13. 13. Unlucky for, unlucky for me, who said nine, but wow, that's tremendous. And Rico again was was crucial, wasn't he? Because he linked up with Billing and then he found this fantastic, it was a real strong, it was a real strong and pacey pass uh, that found, was it was it Wilson on the well, left wing? I'm I not think, too sure who it was. I, I think it was King. Ah, oh, King. Uh, they said it was Wilson on match of the day, but they got it wrong. I think it is King. And, right. and he pinged it to him at real pace. King plays a delicious pass into Billing, who, can I just say, mm. Bill Billing, what a superstar. I confess, I did not even notice Billing at Huddersfield last season. What mm. a player he is. Not only was he instrumental in breaking up so much of Southampton's play in midfield uh, on Friday night, but what he's got and what he demonstrated was also that vision to see space, attack it, and play a delicious ball back for Harry Wilson to, to net. Fantastic. Yeah, he seems to be very unflustered, very strong on the ball, very calm and composed. He, he has made a few little kind of passing errors, one of which nearly culminated in a, you know, Southampton getting a shot on. But, oh, it, you know, it, it, it wasn't anything of note. But, yeah, Harry Wilson, um, yeah, he seemed to ghost in, get ahead of his marker. And we pulled him apart and it was a lovely composed finish. And, a, and at 2-0, um, you know, you're thinking happy days. And it could have been a third where Josh King cut in on the right. Um, it went over the bar but you know come half time what were your thoughts there was so much space down behind Danzo he, he didn't know what he was doing in that right back channel so mm. it, it, it was there and I, I think it was pretty obvious that um, that the Austrian Klopp was going to change it which he did hooray mm. um, I, the, the slight concern I had was that we might be a bit passive and just go off the boil a bit in the second half and they would have to come at us which they did but all through the game I don't know about you but I felt that I mean this might sound terribly patronising to any Southampton fans I'm mm. not going to apologise for that we felt like we were playing in third gear a bit even in that first half you know there were oh, yeah. patches of brilliance but we did cough the ball up quite easily a few times and we just didn't quite have our complete ruthless passing game going and we coughed it up more in the second half, which just let them into the game a bit. Yeah, um, uh, I agree. I mean, Eddie Howe said on the interview afterwards with Sky Sports that he felt like the team was at 60%. And I would agree. And we've got more to give. And, you know, with players that are coming back as well, 
there's so much excitement there to be had. And yeah, I, you know, I didn't see that kind of wave after wave of attack that you see against, say, Watford last season or or Brighton, which of course was the you know was the day of your life last season with that five <laughs> nil. Yeah, you know, you know, it wasn't that, but it was this composure breaking up most of the Southampton attacks, retaining the ball and then picking and choosing the moments to go forward. And when we did, we were absolutely clinical with our finishing. Um, Philip Billing, I've got to say, there was a Watford fan on Twitter earlier today that criticised him for being, uh, you know, a lazy player that doesn't seem to put in any effort. Um, a bit rich, considering they had to pick the ball out of the net eight times against <laughs> Manchester City on Saturday. So I don't know what he's talking about. Um, but elsewhere, um, let's go through the different players. Obviously, we'll come on to the second half, but let's just um, you go through uh, a few of the standout players again. Uh, Steve Cook, uh, he was incredible in the second half, but just so composed in the first half. And were, weren't you so pleased that Match of the Day did that little featurette on him? Yeah. Uh, finally getting some recognition that he deserves. Yeah, he was terrific. Body on the line and intercepting always there with the header always seeing the danger you know he was he was terrific and I thought with Ake we looked so solid in the centre of the defence yeah oh 100% and you know as he has that threat up front as well it's just it's just superb and Steve Cook you know carried that first half form into the second uh but there was a momentary lapse of course with uh the penalty that at the time I didn't think it was but I mean it was a penalty there was no way he was going to keep it in but there was a connection James Ward-Prowse stepped up scored and at that point Jeff I don't know about you but I'm thinking hello we've done so well we've had a bit of glory but this is where Sampton turn it on um but thankfully, it didn't happen. But your thoughts at that point in time when the ball hit the back of the net and they pulled it back to 2-1? Yeah, slightly nervous. Although, you know, I think whilst the centre of our defence was pretty good, the only reason Cookie got exposed there was because Stacey was caught too far forward. And you watch it again yeah. and you think, mm, you know, that's a little bit naive on the defensive side. And, and Rico, again, in the second half, was a little bit naive in coughing the ball up when he shouldn't have done and just went off the ball a bit. And I think... With the the fullbacks, just just need to keep playing, get better, and I think we'll we'll get those mistakes out of their system. But actually, when anything went into the centre of our defence, the blocks were there, and Stacey did a terrific block from Redmond in the second oh, half, didn't he? Um, that was that was absolutely superb, and he was the next player I was going to mention because you mentioned Steve Kirk and. Um, after that block, I mean, yes, yeah, Southampton did have a, a little bit of pressure with with a number of shots that came in. And as we as we go through the sort of players and sort of rate them as we go along, obviously Steve Cook we've mentioned, but when Jack Stacey made that interception, Steve Cook was the first one to go up to him, chest out, and you know, uh, you know, pat him on the back. But it yeah. was more of a pat; it was more of a punch of just uh, you know jubilation and just come on that kind of call to arms and Steve Cook is so dedicated to the AOCB cause it's phenomenal and I I love seeing that kind of display of emotion that he has but Jack Stacey I think acquitted himself relatively well in that in that match yeah a few bloopers but um you know Rico tailed off in the second half a little bit but um defensively we seem to be putting our body on the line I mean that chance that you mentioned with Jack Stacey there there were three of them mm. throwing their body in I think Fraser yeah. was one of them too yeah and what we also need to remember is that behind those guys Rambo was again yes. solid as a rock so even when Southampton did 
get past the the blocks. The, there was no way they were getting past uh, Rambo. It was it was on fine form again, really solid. Um, so yes, you know they had lots of pressure. They had twenty five shots or whatever it was in the game. But quite honestly, did I really feel like they were going to score? That they really had significant threat? Maybe there was one scramble in that second half where you thought oh, it was a bit edgy. But mm. honestly, it wasn't like there were world class saves that had to be made. They had no real striking threat. Their most, their most dangerous player was Ward Prowse. He's a midfield player. Yeah, yeah that's right. And um, yeah, they had a, a couple of shots from distance. Um, yeah, there was that moment, as you said, there was a bit of a scramble. But Ramsdale really strong with his um, his wrists and his arms when he was palming the shots out wide. Great that he's actually you're managing to save it and get the ball out of the danger zone. I think there was one where he sort of you know palmed it, and and there was one moment in the first half where our sort of play out from the back tactic nearly failed us as he tried to play um, you know a pass out that was nearly capitalised on. It was just flashed wide in the end by Southampton. So uh, nothing of note, but. It could have been three one earlier than what it was with that with that penalty claim with Josh King, Jeff. Yeah. What can you say about that? So, uh, without going off on a major rant again, everybody yeah. who saw that, even all the pundits, all the commentators who've seen it, says penalty, and it was a clear penalty. The only reason VAR didn't give it was because the ref didn't give it as an on the field decision. And because they want to protect the reputation of the referees. It's nothing to do with getting the decisions right. It's all about the egos of the flipping hmm. refs. Exactly. And, you know, I thought the whole point of VAR is because, the you know, refs do need a bit of accountability. And sometimes they do need to be undermined. And that was one of those situations. I mean, you know, he gave the goal that wasn't allowed, the Josh King effort. So, you know... He's been undermined there. So what's the difference with this? Because Josh King, yes, he did draw the foul, but you see it all the time. And, you, you know, you'll see exactly the same situation in a game next week where the strikers threw on goal and then he sort of puts his you know leg across. He does draw it, but there's definite contact there. And when he's travelling at that pace, he's going to go down. And I'd, I don't think uh, Josh... King is from the Harry Arter school of um, no, I shouldn't say Harry Arter, but you know, obviously he's he's one of the players that um, obviously he's done it for Fulham this season and and, he, and he's been booked. Um, he's not really that type of player, and he would rather stay on his feet if he could because he was in a in a pretty good position. So when that was not given, you just sort sort of lose faith with VAR and you think, well, what is it for? It was a foul. If if the Premier League want respect from the fans for what they're doing with VAR, if the refs want respect, put your hand up and say, we got it wrong. That was a penalty. Yeah, all day long, all day long. But, you know, thankfully, we can look back and not really worry about those sort of situations. I know on a number of forum posts and on a couple of AFC Bournemouth Facebook groups, there have been people that have moaned about VAR and then and then others have come back and said oh my goodness you can't please everyone look we won 3-1 yes in hindsight it's great but it could have been that that you that could have prevented us winning had Southampton scored a last minute equaliser and then we would all be moaning about it so I think it's important that the issue is raised and you know more fuss needs to be kicked up uh because you know surely if it keeps on happening they will have to change the way it's used because I I feel as though it's not being used well enough I, I've still not seen a single referee in this Premier League season go up and use one of those screens at all it's always just a word in the ear so I don't particularly understand it 
alas, thankfully, uh, we saw the last sort of, after that, there was about uh, 10, 15 minutes left. We had a few changes um, after that. So Lewis Cook came on for Dom Solanke and then uh, Fraser got a go ahead of Harry Wilson, didn't he? He did. I, I, I think Wilson was a little bit uh, miffed to be taken off, but um, he seems to do that pretty much every game. He's swapping those two out for each other. Um, normally, recently, the last two games, it's been Fraser for Wilson, and uh, which I think is, is fair enough. You know, Harry does tend to fade a little bit, and for Ryan gives us more energy, doesn't he? You know, it instantly comes yeah. on. It's another different, different thing to think about. Yeah, it is. Uh, in fact, the Fraser substitution was earlier than I thought. It was actually 63 minutes. So uh, he wasn't as effective as, as he was against um, Everton. But I think the team as a whole um, were almost playing a, you know, a little bit. Um, you know, they were just trying to soak up pressure and catch Saints on the counter-attack. But, it, you know, it didn't overly happen. Plus, he was booked as well. So maybe that, you know, he thought, right, I'll bring Fraser on now to provide him with a little bit of protection. But um, yeah, and then what? What on earth happened? Um, you know, I <laughs> I'd had a few drinks during the day on the train on the way up in the pubs, you know, beforehand, and you sort of you turn round and then you look at a sort of moments at the away fans just to see how many fans are still there. We've got a goal kick. You're thinking sort of nothing's going to happen, and then all of a sudden I hear this. Whoa! Turn round and Callum Wilson's walking into the back of the net. What what on earth happened? You might have to explain, Jeff. Well, uh, first of all, a visionary through ball from Ramsdale. <laughs> That's an assist. That's an official assist to his name. How classic is that? Route uh, 1 Bournemouth, who'd have uh, thought? If, uh, if I was Angus Gunn, I'd be uh, looking at my chances of international debut or whatever he's got in, in mind for his uh, goalkeeping career and perhaps putting that on the back burner. I don't know what yeah. he was doing out there. Um, yeah, I mean, would you say it was the goalkeeper's fault? Because I mean, uh, the, why would he come out? Why would he come out when the you know the defender surely would have had it covered and would have either put it out for throw in or just you know try to control it and get it back to the keeper? I don't know what he was thinking um, to come out and meet the defender. It was unfathomable. And and Bednarek, I mean, is he an international? Oh my goodness mm. me! I mean, it was just well, it was a calamity. And do you know what it reminded me of the Everton game last week, where they sort of gave up defending as well. Yes. Um, very similar. And in fact, both. Who would have said going into this game that the team with the problem back four would be Southampton and not us? Yeah, no, that's right. Exactly. When you look at the inexperience of Premier League starts in terms of Jack Stacey and then Rico, who, you know, up until this point has been under par. Yeah, you sort of think, um, yeah, <laughs> surely we're going to be the ones having the problems. But no, Callum Wilson put it into the back of the net. And I'll tell you what uh, was really interesting, Jeff. I don't know you, uh, if you see. I mean, I've, I've probably watched the highlights a million times over, so I know <laughs> everything uh, inside out. But um, there's a camera behind the goal. So behind the Saints goal that's looking up the other end. So you can see, you know, the calamity that happens between the keeper and defender. Callum Wilson's then wins the ball and he takes a couple of touches and he's... He's gonna score, but it's so funny. Like Lewis Cook doesn't celebrate until that ball hits the back of the net, and you can see him going nuts. But, <laughs> but like up until that point, he's just just standing there thinking Callum still might miss this. I don't, I don't know what the thinking was, but um, oh, I you know I don't know if the reaction has been conveyed uh, conveyed over the forums and Twitter much, but 
it was an incredible moment to be there. 94th minute, beating the Saints. How did you feel at home seeing that happen? Ecstatic, ecstatic. Do you know the one thing that I wish he had done, and I saw someone mention this on social, <laughs> that if he got down... <laughs> I, know, I, 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 <laughs> I knew you were going to say this. Get down on your hands and knees and head that over the line. That was... <laughs> I would have loved it. I would have loved it if that would have happened. Oh, it was um, brilliant. It was brilliant. The only the only thing that bettered the TV viewing experience that night was when Josh King ran out and uh, flipped Gary Neville's ear as he was on the pitch. Did you see <laughs> yes, that? I, yes, I did. <laughs> I, yeah, I saw that too. And... Uh, Oh, three one, and um, yeah, I mean, I bombed downstairs and did um, did some interviews. I got rudely interrupted by some young, uh, drunken Saints fan who decided to come on and swear and say the South Coast is ours. And s- some of that made the post match videos. Others, I had to cut out because he was very he used some derogatory words as well, which I didn't really want to include. Uh, yeah, not the best, but he, I don't know, he seemed to be uh, very animated and. Um, you know, anyone would have thought this was the South Coast derby for them. But according to everyone I speak to, we're an irrelevant club. But hey, it doesn't matter because if they're going to concentrate on Portsmouth, we can just crack on and win as many games as we can and still be top dog for third season in a row. And, it, you know, it's looking likely this is going to happen, isn't it? Because there's so much excitement to come. Look at the fixtures we've got coming up, Sam. Mm. West Ham, if you saw them play Man United, I mean, yeah, we can honestly give them a better game than United did, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beyond that, there's, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but there's Arsenal, there's Norwich, there's Watford. You know, Arsenal and not all that. Norwich looked to be a bit a bit weak away from home and Watford, well, you know, they got turned over 8-0 yesterday. So look mm. at those four fixtures. We got We got a chance to keep the run going. Yeah, that's right. And it's, uh, who knows what can happen. And the problem is when we have these runs, I've noticed before that, um, you know, Eddie Howe's name gets touted about as being the next manager of this club, X, Y, Z. But then when that does happen, we always then go on a bad result and then a a bad run of form and then people start to forget about Eddie. But I just hope it can continue. Um, It's great with the players that we've got to come back as well. Uh, Dan Juma's not far away. We're surely going to be seeing Lloyd Kelly in the Carabao Cup in the week. Uh, Simon Francis may even feature two. I mean, Dan, I mean, you know, you can name a hatful of players and then sort of towards the end of the year, we should be seeing David Brooks back as well. And if we can keep hold of these players um, in terms of their injuries, it it really is exciting. I mean, is your is your kind of how you're feeling that the season should pan out? Are your thoughts, have they been revised after the win in terms of where you'd be happy for us to finish at the end of the season? Yes. Hello. Yes. Absolutely. Um, So uh, I compare it to the start of last season where we started with six wins, two draws, two defeats. And, Mm. you know, we could realistically get to that six wins, two draws, two defeats after 10 games this season. The key Mm. difference is that was the point when we started picking up some really serious injuries. And that coincided with the loss in form last year. This time around, we've got a deeper squad and we've got people coming back from injuries, which I think is going to make all the difference. So happy, happy, happy future, I hope. 
Yeah, that's right. And uh, if you haven't caught up with uh, some of the YouTube interviews, just go to our channel, youtube.com slash AFCB podcast. And we've got a load of chats on there. And then my uh, 25 minute analysis. I I went all guns blazing on this one. Um, Just got to say, though, yeah, match of the day for once. They, you know, they did do a fairly, fairly decent job. Um, you know, we spoke about Tim Cahill waxing, uh, sorry, waxing lyrical. Um, you know about Steve Cook, and there have been a few people mentioning the E word again. Gareth Southgate, are you watching now? Do you think he's got the potential of being a defender for England, or is it a little bit too late for him? He's certainly going to do a better job than the central defensive pair that we had out against Kosovo mm. on that form. <laughs> Um, yeah. And uh, I don't know, you know, what I often feel watching watching pundits talking about us or, you know, watching Match of the Day, people are still looking at us as little Bournemouth, even, even after results like Everton and Southampton. And you know what? It, let's just carry on. Let's just do what we do. We'll keep proving people wrong. If there are international call-ups off the back of it, great. But... Let's aim to make this season the best season it can possibly be. Hi, this is Gary Chapman, the bloke who stands in the back of the North Stand shouting up the cherries. You're listening to Back of the Net. So whilst we have got West Ham in the Premier League on Saturday, which will be a very tasty fixture at the Vitality, we're almost going to our our second home, the Pirelli Stadium, on Wednesday the 25th. That's against Burton Albion. Very fond memories of them in a third round Carabao Cup clash and should be interesting with the team lineups, Jeff, because I'm not sure if you saw the match uh, last week it was the under 21s where we tonked Basingstoke 8-0 but there was a return for Lloyd Kelly and also Simon Francis both of whom I think will feature in this midweek game um, mm. I think some of the fringe players will probably get an outing I think Metham will play I think uh, Simpson will play I think yeah. he'll almost certainly play Ibe as well yes maybe, maybe Solanke might get a, a, a game I think as well just to get him off the mark hopefully mm. um Having said that, I think it will still be a pretty strong 11 and I'd be going into that game thinking, number one, I've got a point to prove to get back into match fitness and get into contention because the team, the first team's doing really well. And number two, we've got a really good chance of progressing in this competition. Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, what are your thoughts on the midfield too? Because Sermon, you would think, he came on for the last minute or so, but you'd think he'd be straight in there. And then it's either one of, uh, obviously, Billing, uh, it could be Lewis Kirk Lerma, or maybe you'll go for someone like Kilkenny, who's done a job in there. Um, what you know? What are your thoughts about the centre of midfield? Because obviously, yeah, I'm like you say, I I think will you know will be starting, um, but intrigued just about the middle two. I think it'll be Lewis Cook with Sermon. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right, and uh, I think it'll be some handy minutes for Lewis Cook to have. Yeah. Um. Obviously, he you know he did well when he came on, but yeah, Burton fond memories of them. Obviously, our two 0 win at the Pirelli, uh, to secure to secure promotion from League Two to League One that time. I ended up running on the pitch and tripping up over <laughs> myself, but yeah, they was they were so accommodating, and then it was great to see. Um, that kind of football fan, uh, you know, camaraderie when they returned. 
to play us in the cup and then the first trip was postponed but they'd already put on coaches so we rallied around and helped pay for their transport back um that time i, I don't know when that was we were in the championship at the time but oh, yeah. they're they're a really good club aren't they they're a very nice club um don't want to sound you know that i'm talking down to them because no. that's what used to happen to us a lot of in this sort yeah. of situation in years gone by um but um, Burton have got a good pedigree in this competition. They, you know, they went to the semi last year. Uh, obviously, got hammered by Manchester City, but mm. they're a decent club. This season, it's been a bit of a sticky start for them. They're mid-table. Um, they had a pretty soul-destroying fixture yesterday, where they were one 0 up to the 90th minute and then ended up losing two-one to Tranmere. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think. I think they probably won't be as strong as they were last season, um, but we should not take them lightly. And it, you know they're gonna they're gonna have a go. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah, completely. And uh, well, hopefully we'll you know we'll pick up uh, the win there. Obviously, that's um, that's all decided on the night. Uh, no extra time either. And and uh, Gary Chapman picked me up on that last time when I said oh, I hope you don't go to extra time. Yeah, sorry, Gary, my bad. There's no extra time going on. Um, and that will go um, hopefully our way, maybe draw a home team in the next round. And yeah, we could we we could progress even further. Who knows? But then obviously on Saturday, it is the bread and butter and it's back to the Premier League. And myself and Jeff will, of course, provide our thoughts on how we think Bournemouth will line up shortly. Uh, but we managed to catch a word with Hammers fan Steve May about their thoughts on this season and how they think Saturday's game is going to go. Hi, Steve here, West Ham fan. With regards to the season so far, do you know what? I've been really surprised. Six games in, we've only lost to Manchester City. And let's be honest, we're not going to be the only team to say that this season. We've just beaten Man United at home, 2-0. We've had some really good performances. And do you know what? Sometimes, as long as the inputs are there... You can't really argue what the team's doing. And I really feel this year that all the players, man to man, they've they've given 100%. And I've been really impressed. What has stuck out this year, which I never thought I'd say, is how been, how solid we've been defensively this year. You know, we've always had this ethos where, you know, we play a, an attacking brand of football. But at the end of the day, you know, you're only as good as your, as your back four and, and your keeper. You know, and, and Lewis Fabianski, I've been always impressed with him. He's always been a good shot stopper. But this year, we look really solid at the back, which I never thought, you know, we would do. You know, going forward, well, I've been very excited. You know, the likes of Lemonchenko, Lanzini, Halap up front. I think going forward, I think we look really solid. So, very impressed. Next game up, Bournemouth at the Vitality. Never an easy game. Very impressed with Bournemouth as a team. I love the manager. I think Eddie Howe, I think, really, I think Bournemouth, I think, are very lucky to have him. I think he's a very solid manager. He wears his heart on his sleeve. And actually, I think he's destined for bigger things. So all the time Bournemouth can hang on to him. I think you've got a very good young manager there. And who knows, maybe a future England manager, in my opinion. Very, very good manager. I think with regards to the next game, I think it's going to be a good game. Last year, you guys turned us over 2-0. Oh, unfortunately, I was there. Uh, and we didn't turn up on that day, I'll be honest with you. So I'm hopeful for a good performance. I think if I stuck my neck out this year, I think there'll be goals in it. It will never be a nil-nil. I'm going to go for 3-1 the West End with Lanzini scoring first. I think he's due a goal. And uh, let's have it on Saturday.
Yep. So cheers, Steve, for your thoughts there. Really interesting to hear uh, what the opposition have got to say. And, you know, from an outsider's perspective, obviously, that you know, looking quite good, played six, 11 points. So sitting above us in a Champions League spot. Did you did you manage to catch any of the uh, match they had against uh, West uh, against Man United? I think you said you saw bits of it, Jeff. I watched it this afternoon uh, as we're recording on a Sunday. Can I reveal that, yeah. Sam? Is that OK? Um, yeah, we, you know, I would like the people to think that we wake up, you know, along with a milkman <laughs> at 5am on a Monday morning. But yeah, this is done on a Sunday afternoon. We can say that. And West Ham are a decent side. They are hmm. no more than that. And I saw their game against Villa the other week as well. Away from home, they're a different proposition. I think they'll be less threatening. They're well-organised. Hmm. Pellegrino does organise his teams well um, and defensively they seem to have a bit more about them this season than last season however um, Manchester United were poor against them today and that 2-0 result was mm, it's not a standout result I think they might come to us with a lot of confidence but I think we'll give uh, West Ham a tougher test and I think we can get at them and I think we can win that game yeah, I would like to think so. I mean, with the players that we've got um, and players that are coming back, there seems to be more competition for places all over the pitch and players are having to up their game. And, you know, like even Rico, who is, it seems bizarre to say it, listened back to a few podcasts ago and we were saying, you know, um, he shouldn't be played. We should maybe play Adam Smith on that side and Jack Stacey on the other. But now you're thinking, you know what? Yeah. Let's start Rico at left back, but even he's going to be under threat. So it's all these players that have got these sort of you know, constant threats going on. Um, what changes, if any, would you make, or would you stick with the tried and tested formula? Ah, uh, good question. I might be tempted to play Lewis Cook from the start, but then that would mean dropping out probably Solanke. So he'd go sort of four five one, and I, I'm not sure I want to do that. I think I'd like to keep it four four two. Maybe maybe start with the same team. Um, and yeah, give it a go, see how that works, because I, I think they'll be brimming with confidence. Yeah, and that's right. And the confidence, you know, for players like Rico, I think he is a confidence player. Um, so I think it would be, uh, you know, I, I don't think Lloyd Kelly will be in contention. He'll get some good minutes in the week and we'll kind of see where he's at. He might be named on the bench, for example, against West Ham. But I think he'll go with something fairly similar. I think Ryan Fraser, um, due to his lack of effectiveness, I mean, that was down to the uh, how we played as a whole against Saints. But uh, I think, again, he will be, starting from the bench but again another incredible asset to bring on and uh, Harry Wilson does seem to be improving in terms of the fact that as you said he combined with Stacey quite well he ran up a few players um, at the weekend he uh, well on the Friday night he, I think he sort of won the corner that you know resulted in the Rico delivery for Ake's first header um, I would I would probably keep it as it is and um, I mean how good would this be if we can get another win? I mean, the confidence will be coursing through the veins of the players, won't it? Absolutely. And here's the here's the perfect result. 2-0 to Bournemouth, Solanke to score and Billing to ping one in from 20 yards. <laughs> that would be brilliant if that happens, Jeff. I'd be delighted. Have you got have you got a prediction for it? Are you, you know, we always we always know you very well, you get it right most of the time. <laughs> Do you know, I, quite like the thought of that yeah let's let's stick with 2-0 I actually feel quietly confident that 
we'll keep our first clean sheet of the season because that would be the icing on the cake. Yeah, I would take I would take two now, but I'll I'll be different and I'll go for another three one. Uh, I think Solanke. This is this is his time to get on the score sheet. Uh, Josh King as well, and oh, let's go rogue and go Jefferson Lerma twenty five yard screamer. How's about that? <laughs> oh, Crystal Palace all over again. Yes, please. <laughs> well, Jeff, once again, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Sam. Always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure. And remember, if you want to see more AFCB stuff throughout the week, head over to our YouTube channel. And if you've enjoyed our chat today on the podcast, myself and Jeff would really appreciate it if you can just leave us a quick review. Just go to your podcast app, click on reviews and just leave your comments and a little thought. And that just helps us get up the algorithm. We'd really appreciate it. So we can now go off and enjoy our week. If you're travelling to Burton, safe travels. I'm not going myself. But if you've got any opinions, do feel free to get in touch via Twitter or via our YouTube channel. Really appreciate any opinion of that game. And of course, West Ham United Saturday. It's the it's, it's basically a Champions League crunch match, isn't it? Firstly, though, do you remember, and we asked you, which players have played for both, and I'm going to say this now, in the order of my favourite teams. Bournemouth, Portsmouth and Southampton. That's the order, isn't it, eh? Uh, which players have played for all three sides? Can include a number of loan spells. These are they. Here we go. Ivan Golak. Do you remember him? Yugoslav international right back played for Southampton played 144 games for them was on loan at Bournemouth uh, played nine games in 1982 and also played eight games for Pompey on loan as well in 1985 so there you go Ivan Golak was the first of four also Colin Clark now he was born in 1962 played for Bournemouth 46 matches in 1985-86 moved to Saints where he played 82 came back to us where he had a loan spell and then in 1990 to 1993 he was at Portsmouth and played 85 games for them as well so Colin Clark is the second the third one George Lawrence of course played 10 games for Southampton around 1980 uh, went to Oxford United went back to Southampton but then of course came to Bournemouth played 75 matches 1989 to 92 and then played for Portsmouth as well 12 games in 93 there was another and the most recent one he's still playing today centre back I think for Luton Town it's Martin Craney 32 years old, started his career at Southampton in 2004, played 16 games, came on loan to Bournemouth for, was it three or four games uh, before then going to Portsmouth for a couple of years in 2007, where he only made two appearances, but he went at, out on loan a fair bit too. So he is the fourth player. So if you got that, well done. Colin Clark, Ivan Golak, George Lawrence, of course, and Martin Craney. Amazing stuff. So cheers, Keith. Nice to chat to you and Yates. And if you've got any inspiration for a do you remember question, I'd love to have it. Send us a tweet, send us a DM, and we'll get it on next week's show, where hopefully we're going to be talking up 
a West Ham United victory against them. Not for them, of course. Bournemouth could be cementing their top four spot. You never know. But anyway, cheers for listening today. Hope you have an amazing week. Enjoy Burton. And I will see you and hear you on YouTube and the podcast next week. This has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.